Welcome to Explorations of the Heart and Soul, guided meditations by Australian Zen teacher Andrew Tutel. Find out more at ordinarymind.com.au. Andrew's Zen teachings are made possible by donations from people like you. friends and thank you for showing up. Let's take a moment to settle into your posture. Lean forward and sit back on your sit bones, allowing the spine to elongate, the head floating upwards like a balloon suspended above. Now taking four slow conscious breaths. The topic for this morning's guided meditation is the eight worldly winds or conditions. The eight worldly winds are pleasure and pain, loss and gain, praise and blame, and insignificance or disgrace and fame. I love that they rhyme. It makes it easy to remember and reflect on them. Our world turns around these emotional conditions for they, the, for they are the basis of many of our problematic human interactions. Just like the winds, they are impermanent. They arise and vanish. They are beyond our control. Suffering from these conditions, however, is causal, arising from attachment and aversion to these, wanting more or wanting it all to go away. This is something we can train our mind and body to deal with wisely. We can cultivate and practice equanimity. If we set the intention to become disenchanted, we engage the frontal cortex of the brain. Aiming to be free from the spells of pleasure and pain is useful. As the Dalai Lama said, with equanimity, you can deal with situations with calm and reason while keeping your inner happiness. I will share a story I thought was relevant. When the doctor said, I've got some bad news and some really bad news, the patient replied, I'll take the bad news first. The doctor says, you have 24 hours to live. The patient in shock says, and the really bad news? The doctor says, I've been trying to contact you since yesterday. <laughs> Equanimity does not mean feeling nothing. It is not indifference, no happiness at praise, no sadness at loss. It does not mean suppressed feelings. That would be unhealthy. Equanimity means feelings become more subtle, not being so upset or obsessed by worldly conditions. This means we have space to respond in appropriate ways. Both positive and negative aspects of any situation can be seen equally not identifying with either. We still feel happiness or sadness, just not overwhelmed by them, a bit like listening to the joke. We can feel for the guy, but we know there is more. Being somewhat removed, we can take it lighter. Coming back to the present, welcoming the incoming sensations we find space, an opportunity to be free from conditioned responses. 
The worldly winds were blowing like crazy here at my place last night. We had strong wind warnings. It was almost like when I visited Darwin and went to the museum. In a small tin shed inside the museum, you go inside and sit down. This is a replica of a shed under a house during Cyclone Tracy. Now take a few deep breaths. When you're ready, you turn off the lights and you turn on the real life sound effects captured on a recorder at the height of the cyclone. Imagine the sounds of your whole world being blown apart. Not knowing if your loved ones and neighbors were coping. Not knowing if you would die or be blown away. Now take a few more breaths and feel your body on the seat, knowing it will pass, knowing resistance is pointless, seeing if you can find a way to soften, letting it pass through. It is possible to stay calm and breathe and simply allow whatever the moment brings. Time for something light. A doctor, a different doctor, another patient. The doctor says, I have some bad news. You only have a short time to live. How long? The doctor says, 10. The patient's waiting, worried and says, 10 what? 10 years? 10 months? 10 weeks? The doctor says, nine. <laughs> Being attentive, not taking it too personally, our ego self does not need to engage. Remembering Buddha said, pain is inevitable, suffering is optional. As Albert Hubbard said, don't take life too seriously, you will never get out of it alive. I would like to share some exercises. These are based on Tibetan techniques to dispel discomfort at the eight worldly concerns. First, recall a time when you received praise. Someone told you, well done, you did a great job. Try to imagine a specific situation. See it in your mind's eye. How did you feel? Was there a feel of joy at the praise? Or was there some gloating or building up of the self? Or perhaps a feeling of unworthiness, turning it into self-blame? Was there confusion or anxiety present? What pattern occurs for you when you receive blame? Now imagine listening to the same praise, 
or blame without tension or internal comment, letting the waves of verbal expression and sensory experience wash over you, welcoming them, but being like the ocean, able to embody all the waves of emotion and maintain a wide, even horizon. Knowing that these waves of emotion are the nature of the human condition. Stepping back and not getting caught up, just allowing praise, accepting it, but also seeing the effort you put in that others may have contributed, seeing what perhaps could have been done better and letting it all flow on through. This is also useful in understanding someone else's overreaction or underreaction to praise or blame. So you can just be there without judgment. It's really interesting to notice your body's habitual patterns when we experience these emotions. Do you tend to contract your body? Do you tend to become self-critical? Do you go into denial or self-justification or numbness? Do you obsess? Do you carry it around with you for ages, repeating the scene over and over? It's okay, just notice what your pattern is. Or does it pass through after some acknowledgement and reflective learning and move on? It is possible to change our pattern simply by noticing it, by reflecting and nurturing yourself with a gentle, enduring intention for more equanimity. Deconstructing strong tendencies disempowers them. Seeing the experience relatively, it has happened before, it will happen again. Recall the opposite. Surely there is loss, but there is also gain. There is pleasure, but we also experience pain. We may have received criticism, but often we receive praise. This helps us to keep an even keel. Words are but sounds. We don't have to own the thoughts that go with them. Sometimes thoughts seem to hold on to past history and deny the present situation. 
receiving pleasantness or unpleasantness does not make us a great or terrible person. Correct deconstruction does not rob the experience of happy and sad emotional tones. It helps take away the power they have to upset us. It helps us avoid overreacting and insensitive behavior. For example, calmly evaluating praise and criticism will help us to learn from it. If you focus on the hurt, you will continue to suffer. If you focus on the lesson, you will continue to grow. This is an empowering message. So I will say it again. If you focus on the hurt, you will continue to suffer. If you focus on the lesson, you will continue to grow. Moving on now to pleasure and pain. Remembering a pleasurable experience. Seeing it in some detail. Perhaps being with someone you love or hearing some really good news. Perhaps spending time in nature in an amazing, beautiful place. What were the feelings for you? How did the body react? Perhaps you experienced energy, excitement, or softening and relaxing. Perhaps a story might arise of how you needed this. You deserved or you didn't deserve this. Just notice your patterns objectively. It is good to soak up good feelings, recalling, 
The brain is focused on alert negative experiences for survival. We often don't take time to really take the positive in. As Tara Brack says, gladdening the heart helps prepare it for joy. Open fully to those good experiences so we can recall them when pain and loss and blame come blustering in on the worldly winds. Then let them too move on through. They too are impermanent. As Vipassana teacher Jack Cornfield said, grasping on leads to rope burn. Now imagine discomfort and pain, perhaps sitting in a dentist chair, a sterile environment, the dentist hovering. Bright lights in your face, not being able to get up and go. You are here for a long job. The drill starts up. Where do you respond in your body? Notice it. Where is the tension, the tightness, when you think about the dentist? Can you find a way to soften around that tightness? Slowly, mindfully, explore your body habits. Now try something. Clench your fists, let them go. Waggle the jaw from side to side. Release, roll the shoulders slowly up and back. Ah, now come back to the breath. Is it possible to feel okay in yourself and at ease in the dentist chair? knowing they are doing a good job and the discomfort will pass. The discomfort is passing as you relax, being with what is. Call to mind the pain your teeth gave you when you don't pay them attention. This is good now, good to get it done. Here it might also be useful to pay attention to neutral experiences, the duller moments, those moments between where there is a quiet banter between the nurse and the dentist, when the nurse tends to you gently and kindly. This helps to deconstruct the concepts we have around the dental experience. As Vipassana teacher Christine Feldman explains, neutral feeling tones are important too. We, by becoming more comfortable with the non-eventful neutral experiences, we train the brain to be less inclined to seek towards and scan for threats. Neutral experiences 
can provide entry to increased presence and stillness. Notice the neutral. Be aware of the bland. Pay attention to the ordinary. Then we come out feeling calm until we get the dentist's bill. Moving on to insignificance and fame. Many people have trouble when they pass their peak or drop a roll. Their identity is so caught up with being who they thought they were, they crash to earth, hit by the full blast of the worldly winds when things change. Just sharing a personal story now. I was asked by my yoga teacher to teach yoga for our local group and the teacher went away to Alice Springs. I taught for nearly a year and I was really enjoying it. I had bought the equipment and looked forward to being out front, learning new asanas and sharing them. I especially enjoyed the guided meditation at the end of each session, thinking about it, preparing for it. Nine months later, due to COVID, the teacher came back. I found it hard to adjust to the idea of being a student in the same class again. Noticing my resistance was causing me to suffer when I had always enjoyed the classes before. I decided to drop the resistance. I had to notice the resistance and soften around it many times over the next weeks. Whenever I noticed it arising, it became easier. I'm again enjoying the yoga class as a student and teaching when the teacher is away. Perhaps you have an experience of noticing resistance to the inevitable. Does your resistance cause you pain? In yoga, having a firm foundation is important. You build correct alignment on that. Equanimity is that correct alignment. Built by observing resistance and seeing the worldly winds as impermanent. Building an attitude of flexibility, strength and resilience. Being present with what is. Experiencing the aging body is a good demonstration of insignificance and fame. We all enjoyed the power of youth. The media portrays young, powerful bodies all the time. They are the center of advertising and on many magazines, the young and the beautiful and the old and invisible, the insignificant, the less mobile, the less techno savvy. Does this cause us suffering as we age?
For most of us, it does to some degree, particularly when it is also accompanied by pain, loss of physical and mental abilities. And if we are not self-caring, we get into body blame. I invite you to take a few moments to reflect on your attitude to the aging body you inhabit. How can we use the Buddha's wisdom to deal with this one? First, just recognizing the issue when it arises, naming it, allowing the unsatisfactoriness to be present. Then investigating if anything can be done to help. And add some self-nurturing. We're not punishing ourselves, just noting the pattern like a scientist of the mind, our mind. It is okay to be upset that muscle tone is fading away. It is good to do something, maybe get active and check your diet. Finally, check your relationship with your body and be kind to yourself. Notice your resistance. Can you find a way to soften the resistance? Our body is like a spacesuit we arrive with on this planet. Some have one that is a better design and some where there's out quicker. Some have faulty ones. The body is not who we are. Can you smile at your spacesuit body in the mirror and ask what you can do to help and thank it for all the work it does for you. Moving on, not obsessing or getting stuck with the issue, being open and sharing, laughing about it with friends. Loss and gain. We all experience gain. Often it comes with a desire for more. The biggest lie on the planet is when I get what I want, I will be happy. How long did happiness last for you when last you got what you wanted? 10, 10 months, 10 weeks, 10 minutes, 10 seconds. 
We have all seen what this has led to with human greed, wars, obscene wealth, slavery and exploitation of the vulnerable of the planet itself. Being aware of our personal greed is helpful. Moving on to loss. The ultimate loss is felt as deep grief. When someone or something close to us is sick or dies, sadness is our natural response. It can be very painful and anger and despair can be all consuming. Have you noticed how emotion comes in waves? Notice it now as we feel for our planet such suffering. On so many levels. There is another side to it. In between the overwhelming emotion, if we pay attention, we get glimpses of deep love coming through, the specialness of our connection, feeling somehow not separate from the planet. This can be beautiful. The depth of the grief is a reflection of the depth of the love. Between the waves of anguish, if you pay attention, there are moments of peace. Focusing on the peace, we can channel this grief, this anger, this despair into action. There are many angry people in the environmental movement, but both the Dalai Lama and Tichna Khan say that anger is not a useful form of expression. Anger shuts down the frontal lobes of the brain. We don't think clearly when angry. We don't communicate wisely. We need to step back and live each moment with an open heart, with equanimity. We need to move into action with wisdom so we can connect with people to work towards change 
angry people overreact and burn out and they cause others to overreact and burn out. Does anger take possession of you? Do you lose yourself to it? What's your relationship with anger? Do you justify that it is useful? When an uninstructed person comes across pleasure and pain, loss and gain, praise and blame, insignificance and fame, she does not recognize it for what it really is. She does not reflect thus. This condition that has come to me is impermanent and bound up with suffering. It will change. When she meets the eight conditions, the eight worldly winds, she craves after or avoids them. Becoming elated or dejected, she loses her freedom. Our practice allows us stillness for stepping back to see the conditional nature of life, the impermanence. It allows us spaciousness and peace to see life in the clear light of awareness to see conditions as they are. Like the image from Buddha's brain by Rick Hansen of a boat, taking a boat down the Ganges at dawn. On the left side, the sun lights up the ancient towers and temples with an exquisite rosy glow. On the right, funeral pyres are burning and the sounds of wailing and the smell of rising smoke. Beauty to the left, death to the right, opening your heart to equanimity to include both. To stay focused in a time of great personal impact, such as when we or a friend experience great loss, we need to stay centered.
Pleasant and unpleasant feeling tones come and go. No one needs to own them. In the pleasant, just the pleasant, no reactions added. In the unpleasant, just the unpleasant, no reactions added. In the neutral, just the neutral. Free from reactions, abide in awareness. Sense the sublime freedom, contentment, peace. The Dalai Lama says, the spaciousness of equanimity is a great support for compassion. Kindness and joy at the happiness of others and the unshakable happiness for oneself. Thank you for listening. <laughs>